Welcome back. We are glad you have chosen to join us for the conclusion of Pastor Tim's message from Luke chapter 2, verses 20 through 52. Twas the day after Christmas. Pastor Tim states, We experience a few mountaintop moments in life, but most of life is filled with routine, mundane experiences. But that's where God works most often. Those days, weeks, and years that followed the first Christmas testify to that. Let's let God do the extraordinary in the midst of the ordinary. Here's Pastor Tim. Yahweh is my salvation. But it's not just salvation for the priest. It's not just salvation for those who are in the temple. It's not even just salvation for the Jews. This is an amazing thing for him to say in verse number 31. You have prepared this before the face of all peoples. Of all peoples. Every man, every woman, every boy, every girl. Jesus has come for. There is not one. Not one man, not one woman, not one boy, not one girl. That God would allow to see perished. That he wants them to come to repentance. He's for all the people. Doesn't matter where they live. Doesn't matter how they live. Doesn't matter what they say. Doesn't even matter what they look like. Doesn't matter what language they speak. Or what kind of place they live in. For all peoples. Not just coming to the Jews, but a light. To bring revelation to the Gentiles. And glory for your people Israel. What an amazing statement about Messiah that comes from the lips of Simeon. As he proclaims in these weeks after Christmas who Messiah is. Let's keep reading. Look at verse 33. Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which are spoken of him. In other words, how could he know? How could he know what we know? <laughs> Suddenly there's a bond between them, isn't there? It says, Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is destined for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign which will be spoken against. Yes, a sword will pierce through your own soul also that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. That, that's probably not what Mary had in mind when she heard the angel say, He will be great, <laughs> and He'll be called the Son of the Highest. We don't often think about what our own lives do to the heart of Jesus. We don't think about What's coming, do we? We think once Jesus has come into our life that suddenly it's all roses and no thorns. Suddenly it's all glory and no gory. But yet it is, isn't it? It's just a part of living. It's just a part of living. And it's a part of living with Christ. We become proclaimers of salvation in the midst of some of the dirtiest places, the hardest of times. Simeon's not the only one. 
And those weeks that followed that first Christmas, they're filled with all kinds of things. And here's a lady that we meet in verse number 36. Look at it. It says, Now there was one, Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was of a great age and had lived with a husband seven years from her virginity. This woman was a widow of about 84 years, look at this, who did not depart from the temple, but served God with fastings and prayers night and day. And coming in that instant, she gave thanks to the Lord and spoke of Him to all those who looked for redemption in Jerusalem. This group that's looking for redemption in Jerusalem because they want to be taken out from under the hand of Rome, Anna gets to speak to them and tell them about Jesus, that He is their deliverer. For those on the other side who begin to look at their own sins and they understand that they're in bondage, it is Anna who's able to talk to them about the Savior who takes away the sins of the world. She is proclaiming Him. In those weeks... After Christmas, they become times of proclaiming. We think about all the billboards and all of the things that go up during the days that precede Christmas. When the whole world, even unbelievers, are confronted with the truth of who Jesus is and how He got here and why He came in the first place. Then all that wanes, doesn't it? Suddenly the billboards are replaced with other advertisements. There are other kind of specials that are on TV. You go to the store even now and you see that it's Valentine's Day things that are up now. All the Christmas stuff is gone. Suddenly we tend to put Jesus on the back burner. Not Anna. Not Simeon. Not Mary, not Joseph, and not you. In the weeks that follow Christmas, let it be a time of proclaiming Him for who He really is. And then number three. T'was the years after Christmas that was a time for pondering. For pondering. Let's pick up our reading there at the end of verse number 38 and verse number 39. It says, So when they had performed all things according to the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee to their own city, Nazareth. We know that there's a, there's a hitch in there where they're going to go to Egypt, and then they're going to go back to Nazareth, but eventually they're headed back to Nazareth so that He can be called a Nazarene. Look at verse number 40. And the child... It's not a baby anymore, is it? It's not little baby Jesus in the manger. This is Jesus beginning to grow up. This is little child Jesus who's had his first haircut. He's already learned how to walk. Already learned how to talk. Already learned how to feed himself. This is little child Jesus who knows what it's like to have friends who knows what it's like to go outside and play, who knows what it's like to go in there with his dad at the carpenter shop and learn to swing a hammer at a nail, 
This is that little child. It says that he grew and he became strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. Then we have this episode in verse number 41. His parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when Jesus was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem according to the custom of the feast. Let's stop there. 12 years old. Man, back, back, in, back in the first verses of this chapter, he was just born. Man, he goes by just like that. Every parent says, Amen. It goes by just like that, doesn't it? I don't have a lot about Jesus' life as a, as a boy, his life as a child. There's those apocryphal stories where he brings a bird back to life and all this kind of crazy stuff. I don't think any of that's in there. I think Jesus is a regular little boy, you know? It's probably a little bit different, you know? Mary and Joseph, the Bible says, Joseph did not know his wife until after Jesus was born. So after Jesus was born, they were just a regular couple. They were a normal family. And other children came. They were the full-born children of Mary and Joseph. We know about James. We know about Jude. We know the names of his brothers. We also learn that he has sisters. Can you imagine what that house was like? Jesus never gets in trouble. <laughs> you always take Jesus' side. You know, you know those things happen, don't you? It was just life. Listen, until you begin to understand that God works in the humdrum, that God works in the regular, that God works in the normal, then the milestone events don't mean quite what the milestone events are supposed to mean. God's at work in your life today. He's at work in your life every day. Not just on Christmas, not just on Easter. Every day of your life, God's tending to you. Let's keep reading. Let's finish the chapter out. Jesus is 12. They've gone like, just like they do every year, like they do all the time. Mom, Mom and Dad and Jesus and all the little brothers and sisters, here they come. All right? When they had finished the days, in other words, when they had finished the days of their celebration there at the temple... It says, as they returned, the boy Jesus lingered behind in Jerusalem, and Joseph and his mother did not know it. But supposing him to have been in the company, in other words, they're traveling with a group, they went a whole day's journey and then sought him among their relatives and acquaintances. I mean, he ain't getting the dad of the year award, you know, after this. You know, I might have left my kids, but I don't think I've left them for a whole day. I mean, not, not on accident. So, <laughs> but Jesus is left behind, and when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem. In other words, they're just tracing their path back, right? And they ain't found him yet, they're seeking him. Now, so it was that after three days, they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. So when they saw Jesus, they were amazed. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you done this to us? Look, your father and I have sought you anxiously. We're worried to death. 
He said to them, Why is it that you sought me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? He ain't talking about carpenter shop, is he? He knows. Jesus knows. He knows who he is. He knows whose he is. He knows why he's come. The sword that's going to pierce Mary's heart has already pierced Jesus's. He already knows what he's living for. I mean, yeah, Jesus wants to be a good carpenter. He wants to follow after his dad. He wants to, you know, hammer the nails just right and put the furniture together. That's not really why he's come. Look at verse 50. They did not understand the statement which he spoke to them. Then he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject to them. Listen, some of you have a problem with authority. You have a problem with authority in your home, you have a problem with authority at work, a problem with authority at church. The Son of God made himself subject to the authority of his parents. Did he have to? No, not even more than you have to. But he did. Subjection is a choice. You choose to be subject to the authorities that God has placed in your life. He was subject to them. And look at this. His mother kept all these things in her heart. We've seen a similar verse to that before. In fact, right before the verse that we started out with today, back in verse number 19, the Bible says that very night, Mary treasured all these things and pondered them in her heart. So the years after Christmas are a time for pondering. It's a time for pondering what God's doing. What is God doing in the everyday? What is God doing day after day after day after day in your life? You know, the only thing that you have about Jesus' life after this is verse 52. Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. For the first 12 years of Jesus' life, the Bible is primarily silent. For the next 18 years of Jesus' life, the Bible is primarily silent. Is God not at work because He's silent? He's at work. Is Jesus not who He claims to be because God is silent? He is who He says that He is. Is He not actively involved? He's actively involved. Even when God is silent, you need to know that He is still Emmanuel. He is worth pondering. We don't do that very much. We're too busy. We're too busy to read through our Bible every day and not just simply check it off and say, okay, I've read it. But to let that Word sink deep down into my heart. Let it so consume my mind that I'm, I'm thinking through those passages constantly and the Spirit of God is taking His Word and making application to my life. 
if you don't take time to ponder what God's doing, how will you ever even recognize that that's what He's doing? And if you don't recognize what He's doing, how will you proclaim Him? How will you tell others if you yourself don't see it? If you can't see God at work in your life, why would you ever praise Him? Why would you give Him glory? We give Him glory because of who He is. We give Him glory because He is active. We give Him glory because He lets us in on what He's doing. In these days, weeks, years that follow this Christmas, I pray that God will do more in and with your life than He's ever done before. Let's pray. Jesus, we give You honor and glory and praise and honor, and majesty. We exalt you because you are worthy of our praise. We ask simply for a glimpse, a glimpse of your presence, a glimpse of your glory, a glimpse of your activity. And even a glimpse will sustain us for a long time to come. Father, bless your people today. We know that you have come to seek and to save those who are lost. So, Father, I pray today for those who've never prayed and asked you to come into their heart, to genuinely save them and deliver them from their sins, that you would do that today that you would give them assurance that they belong to you. Father, for those who need to plant their life in our church, for those who need to make some things right with you, right with others, Father, we pray that you'd move on them in these moments to do those very things today, on this day after Christmas. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Stand with me where you are. I want Sean to lead us as we sing. If you need to come, come. I'll wait for you here if I can help you. If not, just come straight to the altar. Sean. This Christmas season, Pastor Tim challenges each of us to share the love of Christ with those we come in contact with every day. Remember, he who wins souls is wise. Pastor Tim would love to connect and share with you about a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and how you can know that you know that Jesus is your Savior and Lord. That address is church office at BritDavid.org. We are located at 2801 West Brit David Road, Columbus, Georgia, 31909. Thanks again for joining us here on Brit David Podcast.